We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If I ventured in the slipstream This episode of Inside Golf Podcast is brought to you by RickFromGood.com. Hey, I don't know if you missed it, but I was in Las Vegas last weekend for the first ever live season-long fantasy golf draft. Tough morning for me waking up on on Monday to the Sony Open Field and realizing that only three of the 12 players that I had drafted are actually playing in the first 144-man tournament of the year. Might have to make some moves on the old waiver wire, just take the L in week one and not field a a full team this week. Who can say? But you can check out the entire draft on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. My full breakdown of YLI is up on the website right now as well. Pretty notable course setup change this week. Um that is not getting discussed as much as I kind of had expected. I think people are kind of sleeping on it and it's going to play, it might play a large role in determining the outcome of the tournament. So you can find out what that is on the site right now. Plus my DraftKings article on Wednesday, first full field tournament of the year. Any DraftKings questions you have for me, you can hit me up in that Slack channel. So sign up today using promo code Andy. That is the important part if you want to help me out. Rick is doing some huge things for the site in the next couple of months. We just spent the weekend in Las Vegas talking through a lot of upcoming plans for the site. So now is a great time to join before a huge update comes in the next couple of weeks. We would love to have you as part of the team. Coming up on this podcast, probably the most elusive podcast guest I've ever gotten. Took me literally years to book him. He's the host of the Golflandia podcast, Matthew Wiley. We brought him out of retirement. I'm recording this intro before we chat, so I really have no idea where this is going to go. It is, once again, a true who can say situation, but probably the most pumped I've been for a podcast in quite some time. So without further ado, let's talk to Wiley. All right, Matthew Wiley is here. We've brought him out of retirement. The first question that I have been tasked with to ask you, many people have been asking this. What has happened to Golflandia? What has happened to my favorite golf podcast? Where is it? Is it done? <laughs> What's up, man? Nothing, dude. It's good to see you. Yeah, yeah. So you actually did bring me out of retirement. This is the first time I've hooked up this equipment since like, what, pre-COVID? Hell. I just... uh took you a cool 30 minutes to figure out video. Oh, yeah. I had the whole team here trying to figure out how to... I don't even know where my old mics are. I'm using this one right here, but it it, it works. You sound great. Okay, good. I, I mean, as for golf landing, you know, I guess we could start a whole topic. I just felt like the market was pretty saturated with content. Agreed. I didn't really feel, and this isn't sort of a, you know, a self grievance. I didn't know really what I was adding to the market. I had interest in, I have interest in other sports from a DFS perspective, NHL and NFL, I do better in them. Shout out Sportland, yeah. Yeah, so I really, I, I quote unquote, instead of spending time thinking about what I want to do with this. And, you know, I guess it would be more holistically on sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be frank, to be frank, you know, 
the whole golf, the whole golf atmosphere last year, landscape. It's weird. It got me really uninspired to carry any more water for golfers on that's, both sides. That's quite fair. That right. And I think that guys who are pro golfers who feel they're entitled to more money are certainly entitled to it. I felt like it just became chopping up millions and millions of dollars, which is fine. But in the whole grand scheme of things, the end customer was forgotten. And particularly the people that helped drive an audience for the last five years, because of what really I think holds together ratings, which is NFL as a gambling league. And so is golf. Right. And I think a lot of us did a lot of heavy lifting and the guy who did the most lifting was Tiger Woods. And I think a lot of his equity was just spent. Yeah. And I just got tired of a lot of the, it, it just seemed like a lot of villains and attitude. And every time, you know, I just felt myself getting angry on Twitter, which yeah. a lot of us said about anything live related. You know, you've been pretty good lately though. I've, I've been working on it hard. Like not getting into it with with live people. Yeah, and I think that that's not good for live because then we really don't find it a threat anymore. At the first, at the, see, I, see, I think that that we did a lot of we took offense to the direction, and I think it was their mistake from a PR perspective. In that perception, right or wrong, and likely right, was they needed to destroy the PGA Tour in order to survive. And I, and I fundamentally think whether, whether or not they sort of uh, illustrate that they want to cooperate with the PGA Tour, they need it dead. And they wanted it dead proof because they offered money to every single top 50 player or more on tour. And they were willing to give them money, which would have absolutely gutted the entire PGA Tour, which would have made Greg happy. <clears throat> and, you know, his axe to grind, his being the front man and really trying to trying to destroy the tour seemingly with the backdrop of the Saudi regime was probably not the best thing to do to an American audience, which you needed. And so a lot of us became ardent defenders of the PGA tour because as it's proven out, and as I said, and others said all along, it's not about the golfers. It's about the competition and its history. And I've said that since day one, which is proven Right. Because even mega brands like Brooks, his following didn't follow. To the contrary, he can't even tweet or put out social media posts anymore because even him, alpha male Brooks superstar, gets destroyed in the streets. Okay. So that should be a warning to a lot of the golfers that, listen, you're 32 years. I understand if you're 50, you're 32 years old. You want to do this for 40 more years on that tour? But even even on the PGA side, you know, us spending a lot of energy and airtime defending them in the content streets, and then Kyle Porter today gets, you know, flagged by the tour for putting out a video of speech that that got a million views because they wanted to do it. And I thought that's just a perfect example of how myopic the PGA tour is in this whole process that that you had a legion of loyal followers who did the four-day tournament watching because you're either playing DFS or golf or because you're a golf ardent lover, and then you get kicked in the shins. And so I'm like, you know, there's other sports I want to focus on for a few months, and then maybe I'll dust off Golflandia. That's a li- really long-winded answer. No, it's good. Lev was like topic number seven that I had, but we can get right into it now. Can I tell you a story? Can I tell you funny? I've I've wanted to say this on a pod. I don't know if I should say this because it's from somebody that probably like the most connected person that I know. But yeah. I was I was playing golf with him over like the December break between Christmas and New Year's, and he knows. I mean, he knows everyone. He's great friends with Homa. He played. He plays golf with DJ all the time. He's got tons of friends on both sides, and I. I trust him with everything that he know. I, he's never been wrong to me. He's he and he's seen the future with all this. He was telling me he was he. We started talking about Lyft because I was asking him about it, and he was telling me, 
you know, he he sees DJ all the time at Gaza Ranch. That's like DJ's vacation place in Idaho where he goes fishing and, and boating sure. and all that stuff. Yep. And DJ openly tells people that he's retired. He, he yeah. just says it. He just people ask DJ, like, how are you doing? I mean, he and he he says he's a hilarious guy held down a bottle of Jack Daniels in 18 holes. And DJ will just tell people he's retired. And that's why I yeah. go to like I think the people that are riding for this league have have lost the plot in so many ways that it's just like, I, I, I want to know who these people are. I feel like some of them are, are just massive, massive co- contrarians for the sake of being contrarian, which I actually kind of understand in some, in some facets, but you have to like take a step back for a second and actually like think about what you're riding for right now, because yeah. I, I don't think you realize you're going to be on the wrong side of history with this one. And I think you're going to look pretty silly. And so I thought that story illustrated it like encapsulated so much to me of this. It's like, dude, you're taking this way more seriously than the players. The players think this is a joke. And by the way, you pull 90% of human beings that are 36 years old. And if you ask them, would you quit your job right now for enough money to retire on and have generational wealth? Would they quit their job and do it? Yeah. Guess what? Yeah, Not everybody would. loves golf, right? There's no, like they the, don't. The what? How? What? What is it? There's five players on the PGA Tour that are playing for a legacy: Rory, JT, Speed, right? So it's like I get why the players are going. What I don't understand is who is a fan of this. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of guys who left took the risk and said, "Listen, I'm injured." I'm old. I'm never going to make this money again. It's totally generational it. wealth. Huh? Totally get yeah. it. Yeah, I'll totally get it. And I think I think Kobe DeBose, our our buddy, said, you know, he's he's not down for the moral preening argument about S- Saudi Arabia, which, you know, you can make a lot of cases either way on. I agree with that. But I don't I still don't think that the legacy trampling they believed what happened that quickly at this young of an age. And I think it's been a major barrier for any other player, like a can't lay to go over there. Right. Your death, I mean, your, your brand, your brand is, is toast. They can't even get airtime on network television unless they pay for it and do all the pre and post production and ad sales on the CW. Like when's right? the last time you thought about Matthew Wolf? Remember, when, right. he, remember when he finished second at the U S open? That's right. That's right. So it proved the case that golf is about the competition, the history, the courses, and guys who really want to ascend to the top spot. That's why we watch it. That's what makes it exciting on Sundays. And the problem was, is that, okay, you've got 45, 50 players that left who, who basically the script is, I don't think they care about competition. You know, they're retired. Does that mean everyone else on the PGA Tour feels the same way? And I think that's done the PGA Tour by osmotic, (laughs) osmosis. I think it's done it a disservice. TV ratings are down. A lot of people in the fall swing, even people I talk to, when we get excited for golf in the spring, we didn't have the same juice for it. And I think that that's the PGA Tour's number one challenge now is to get is to make sure people understand that these people, and I think Rory's done a great leadership job on it, that we are we're, we could have had the trillion dollars, but this is a post-Tiger world now, right? It is, they spent the equity for Tiger by going over that tour. It's been proven that they haven't really invented anything revolutionary that's changed the game of golf. They get 30,000 live streamers. That's 2 a.m. infomercial stuff. That's okay. like the no the most recent no laying up video got that's right. What, that's right. I mean, it's not even comparable. And that's why yeah, I don't I it's don't not a business. That's what, my biggest thing is the moral preening, everything, Saudi Arabia, taking the money. That's not my point. But you cannot make an argument that this is a business model that somehow figured turned the skeleton key of golf that no one figured out over a hundred years. Cash is an element of a startup company, an element. There's no doubt. And they've got endless amounts of it. But the other parts are culture building and coalition building and having leadership at the top that's able to do those two things. And Greg Norman was probably, 
the wrong person to have as your front man. Because he, is, in- he is not well liked. And that was the other thing that right. my friend said is that in that space, he does not have a seat at the table. And that's the other thing about golf that I think the Saudis have underestimated just a little bit. From what I've heard, this is all because MBS felt disrespected in the golf world, that he wanted a seat at the table. He was jealous he wasn't in the in crowd at golf. He was jealous that he wasn't that Augusta wouldn't take his money and he wasn't getting invited to the pro-ams and he tried to buy his way into the in crowd. And there's just a lot of things in golf that you can't buy. You you can't buy yourself a membership at Chicago Golf Club. They turned down Michael Jordan. You can't buy yourself a membership at Los Angeles Country Club. They basically turned down every Hollywood A-lister you can think of. And MBS was basically pissed off that he wasn't getting the respect that he deserved in the upper, upper echelon of the golf world. And he said, basically, okay, I have the money for it and I'll make my own golf tour. And if this thing works and I'll finally get the respect I deserve. And again, this is just what I've heard from people that are way more connected than I am. But the reason why I don't think this is going to last past three years is because there's this idea that because the Saudis have unlimited funding, that they're going to be comfortable operating at a loss and lighting money on fire for decades odd. They are not. I can tell you they are not. And no. if they see there's no path to financial viability and they aren't winning the media war, you know, again, this is not my opinion. This is specifically what I've heard. A lot of their hope for this, and this is what doesn't get talked about enough, is good publicity to normalize Saudi Arabia and mainstream American sports economy. Right? Yeah. Perception is very important to Saudi Arabia for other businesses. And this is going backwards in that objective. I mean, yes. if, you at, if you look at their business plan, that was part of it, but it was also getting 12 of the most media, well, the top media golfers in the world, and they mean the meter movers, right? The Tigers, the Phils, they got three. They got Sergio, in their in their handbook, they got Sergio, Henrik Stenson, and Phil, okay? They didn't get Tiger, which is the only person I think on earth people will stop and watch golf for. And I think that is the problem with a lot of golfers believe, hey, they want to, they want to see us hit golf shots. Golf is fundamentally boring unless it's Tiger or unless it's a major or unless there's something on the line. There's never going to be a case where you maybe a hundred years from now when they have a lot of history built up, but you're right. You can't buy 70 years of history at Riviera country club. No, of tournament no you can't do it. So they not the only thing that's going to keep this around is how long the Saudis are willing to mess around with Greg Norman, grind this ax, no pun intended, and then put enough money into it. Because the meter reading in terms of how their objective is going for their, you know, how how the Saudi Arabian Arabians are being viewed is completely opposite to what they intend. <laughs> period. Right. So right. why would they do this anymore? They're like, we were scammed. And the smart people in the room are getting out of town really quickly. Not mm-hmm. their CEO, Atul Kosla, who's a really smart dude from everything I've heard. He steps down. And then also, like, again, this stuff, like, just read between the lines, guys. The president of franchises, Matt Goodman, also stepped down. Now, let's consider the fact that so much of Liv's business model is wrapped up in selling ownership stakes in these franchises to large corporations. And last week, the person in charge of franchises quits. It's gone. It's gone. I mean, mean, you have to, you you cannot abandon an American audience or offend them and want to be successful in sports, in golf, period. And for, for them to believe that people would rally behind these franchises, you've got to build cults. In, in I mean, that's what Barstool does so great. I mean, that's their media their media properties that they built this legion of followers. They're, they're, the PGA has gained more sympathy out of this, as have the golfers who stayed. For instance, Billy Horschel, ultra villain, right? A year ago. No, he's our hero. He's Billy Ho because he stayed. So, I mean, but that's, I mean, I was tired of chopping it up in the streets, losing followers and it becoming a MAGA argument. And I'm like, I don't, I just don't feel like, I don't feel like carrying the water for uh, the tour anymore. I don't get paid anything by them. So let them hash it out. Uh, And I'll go on to Rainmakers. (laughs) I have questions about Rainmakers. That's on my oh list. Oh, my too. God. Just to put a cap on this, I, I think the main thing that I would add, and I'm glad I had you for this conversation because this is one of the more honest conversations I've had about this. And 
listen, I have stayed out of the moral high ground part of it. Yeah. I have a gay younger brother. Some of the stuff is like kind of hard to like look past. Yeah. And so like you, you say all this with like a grain of salt and some of the stuff that it's like, again, my life changed when he came out to me and listen, I, he's my best friend in the world. I'd step in front of moving traffic for him. The thing that people miss with this argument so often is like, oh, there's so much Saudi money and tied up in FedEx. Yeah. The difference between that is yeah. passive business investment in FedEx. And right. the fact that my brother can mail anything in the country from FedEx, whereas he'll get his head chopped off if he went to live Jetta. And, and, and this is a much different administration in Saudi Arabia than it was when they were investing in Uber. Like, did, that's, did you watch The Dissident by any chance? No. It's such a good documentary. I, you know what? Kyle Porter told me to watch it. I watched, I watched Die Hard 1 and 2 for the first time. Watch The Dissident. It's a 57-minute it's a yeah. documentary free on YouTube. And, and you watch it and you're like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck are we talking about here? And you <laughs> even stay out of all of that. Like, even just like, we put that to the side so easily now, which is crazy to me, but you kind of just have to, because there's so many like golf arguments to talk about because getting into that stuff with people on Twitter is just so, so useless. But the last thing I'll say on it is I've been thinking about this a lot and I, I just think golf is a a sport that has always like valued class over money. So, so many of the biggest people in golf already have the money that they need. Again, like I said, you can't buy your way into Augusta national. There's a 150 billionaires in the world and they, Augusta turns them down all the time. You can't buy your way into Cypress point. Can't buy your way into Chicago golf club. Can't buy your way into national golf links of America. Can't buy your way into Seminole. You can't buy your way into that crowd. You just can't, you can't. And, and it's all connected. And you need to have Jimmy Dunn in your corner and you need to have Chuck Schwab in your corner. And you can't just buy your way into that crowd. You can't. They don't care about how much money you have. And it's all connected at the professional level. Like I said, I said, watch out for Jimmy Dunn. He's the president of Seminole. He's best friends with Rory McIlroy. And he's pro-am partners at the Seminole Pro-Am with Dustin Johnson. And when DJ went, Jimmy Dunn said, fuck that guy. And I said, okay, this thing's done. This thing is done. Because that yep. guy... That guy controls golf in America, and he's the most connected guy to all the PGA Tour pros, and he went out on a limb and stood for the PGA Tour. And those are the people that you need if you're if you're lit. Those are the people that yeah, you need. So that is fundamental to, as I'm wrapping this whole conversation up, is coalition building, culture building, and and having... It's not... It's, America, it's, and I'm Canadian, but I've been in business in America for 20 years. It's not what you know, it's who you know, period. And so if they're going to, if, if Tiger's not on there, if his people are magnetized to Tiger, they want to do business with him. If he says, I'm going to, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to take on this myself. He is, he creates billionaires, right? People will do business with Tiger. If you By don't way, have Tiger, TGL, you've got nothing. TGL might work. I, I've spoken to the TGL people and yeah. listen, I am not the intended audience for that. No, it, it, it might work Monday night. It yeah. might gamble. It is so gambling focused. The guys reach out to me to talk about gambling stuff. They're already looking at it, Whereas the live people are looking at for weird Instagram influencers. The TGL people are looking at the gambling people already. They've already reached out to me and they are so I, focused on gambling. They're gonna have props on everything. It might work. Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't have any doubt that that um, the tour is trying, and guys like Tiger are willing to stick it out. And I think he would be the most offended that these guys stole the equity that he built, and and said, and and they believe that oh, everyone just loves to watch us as golfers. They'll tune in for us. No, they'll tune in to Tiger as a golfer. But clearly. 30,000 live streamers free YouTube worldwide is insanely bad traffic for having Phil and Brooks golf. But, you know, in the whole process of it, I didn't want to offend the people that are major fans of golf and perhaps love live. Fine. You love live. Great. I mean, there are, there are people who love cartoon cats that eat fucking happy meals as NFTs. I'm not that person. Right. But <laughs> But there's a niche audience out there, but a niche audience is not going to su support 
what the ambitions of this tour are. You can fake it, but don't tell me that they've unlocked something and that, oh, they've lived golf figured out. It's early senior tour to me, champions tour. Oh, 100%. And Phil's great. Phil's hilarious. Phil, you know, there's stories about, did you read the book? What book? I haven't read a book. <laughs> I read Phil, one book in my life. The Phil book. You didn't I like read, read backwards. Well, you can listen to it on tape. I listen to it on tape. It's, been, like a, it's like a podcast. Okay. Read the Phil book. It's good. And there's like 20% of the stuff that, like 20% of the stories are in the book. Like some of the Phil stuff you hear is nuts. It is nuts, 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 nuts. But what's so sad to me, and we have to stop talking about this because I have other stuff to get to. But the guy I has. Think the, is this? Are we still on number seven? We're on seven. Yeah. Okay. The guy has maybe the second greatest golf moment of the last 50 years. And we spend a month celebrating it because he goes to live six months after. Like we should have been dining out on Phil for that. P- that PGA Championship win at Kiowa, that was one of the yeah. most unbelievable things I've ever seen. I'm dead serious. I, I remember that, I'll, I'll remember that week for the rest of my life. He's fucking 50 years old. He's fucking yeah. 50 years old. Spent he's, it. He was 300 to one. Blew it. Needed money. Bye. See yeah, ya. And, and that's it. You got it right, too. That was the other thing that the guy told me. He said, this only happens because Phil did need the money. He yeah. actually lost at gambling. And the I, stories are out there. He's, I had another golfer finally say when 150k like on a hole. I mean, it's it's insane. I had another and golfer when this. Where is this if, if 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 he doesn't have the gambling debts? Yeah, I, I had another golfer finally when this all came to pass. Say finally, it's out about Phil. Finally, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it's we all knew it. We all talked about it. Yep. We can't stand the guy. Yep. I said, well, why didn't you say anything ever about it? He's like, you can't. You can't come at the king, right? Because so, you know, that's their own internal politics. It is what it is. I think that uh, I think what I've always said about business is how you make your money is how you're going to lose it. And I, I live by that mantra in that if you if you make money in, in business the honest way, building good culture, uh, being honest with your clients, your customers, your employees, your staff, and being good, being a good person. The only way you're going to lose that is the same way. But if you're crooked and corrupt and a villain, it, it's not sustainable. It only is on, it, it's on a clock. Right. So, can, can you explain Rainmakers to me like I'm five years old? Oh, yeah, because it's four five-year-olds. <laughs> what is this thing? Because I'm friends with Jesse, too. I mean, on Twitter. Right? Jesse is friends? Yeah. What is this thing? I, I've no, I just, actually I, I don't like just name Jesse because I like you know I, I DM Jesse. Yeah. Yeah, I DM him actually the other night for a while. And I just said, listen, I want to know that I think you're misunderstood and I think you're a good guy. And uh <laughs> and and I said that we've had our rows in Twitter. I've you know, I've had beefs with a lot of people, but I said it's just all fun content. But he he actually was very helpful to me in the early stages. It was like counseling all of us early investors and rainmakers when we realized, holy shit, we may be absolutely fucked in this. We all sort of counseled each other. We're like, oh, we all live in the same house. And uh, so you the know. rainmaker support group. Yes, the rainmaker support group. But no, you know, I am, I am, I was never, ever a proponent of NFTs ever. And I think I was very fundamentally clear on that. Um, not because there weren't people probably who were honest about it or really believed in them or liked it from an art project. But I think the the industry was replete with a lot of grifters. And I can't stand, I cannot stand vulnerable people getting disripped off by by absolute C words uh, because they're just sociopaths. It just drives me insane. This was not an NFT project for me. This was sort of like, okay, DraftKings is going to allocate $28 million to this plus. Uh, it's probably going to be massive overlay in that there's not going to be a ton of adoption. And perhaps I can have an edge here uh, if I dip my toes in it. Well, day one dipping toes meant meant like dipping my toes in a yacht. It was, it, and it was, I went so heavy, shocker me, into, into this that, that, I realized I have no idea what I've gotten myself into. Yeah. So it was basically, I owned 1200 of these player cards and I had to play them season long in these contests to recoup 
my investment. Right. Knowing and that, that, as I understand it, the game is kind of rigged against you to start. <laughs> no, not. What do you mean? Well, the the player like you. What is the stuff that Jesse always complains about about with the lineups? Like you can't, you can't, you don't get the cards. I don't know. Yeah. So 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 basically, you tell me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, it's no entry fee, right? But it then it comes down to, you know, you can basically figure out not. I mean, it's 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 essentially saying there's no salary cap, so just buy the ultimate all optimal lineup. But that optimal lineup in the top tier is going to cost you $35,000. And so, okay, who's going to do that? Plus, if the player gets injured, the card's worthless. So I never went into to this thinking, okay, I have this bunch of player cards and these, quote, NFTs are going to be worth something into the year, end of the year. I had 18 weeks to get my money back and then hopefully profit. I think I was lucky enough and had and ran so well in pack ripping that that I recouped, I, I you know, and I profited, but it was gut wrenching. It really was. I mean, not, it's a, it's a ton of work too. So I think that I would go about it if I ever did it again a different way. I do believe that there's applicability for it in the PGA, and I really? think it would, How so? I do. Okay, so so golf DFS is tough. It's right? inherently good though. Uh, the format I think is pretty good because, you know, if you really think about it and this is what Rick and me were thinking with the season long stuff, if you really think about golf, it hits kind of the checkpoints that football does in terms of its format with it all finalizing on Sunday. I think some of the problems with MLB and NBA and NHL DFS, I think that this inherent format where everything finalizes on Sunday, the way that right. football and golf does. I think that is good for DFS. Correct me if you, I'm wrong. Do you play a lot of DFS golf? Yeah, I do. I play a lot and I'm I'm pretty good. I mean, I, okay. listen, here's the thing. Nobody who has a podcast is good at DFS golf. <laughs> and that's why I've struggled so much, like towing the line because I get paid to give DFS picks and people ask me questions about who to play DFS every single week. And it is my least favorite question that I get is seriously my least favorite question that I get yeah. because I don't know how to talk about it. And I used to, I used to put out a article where I gave my entire player pool and one of my closest friends now, Kobe was like, what the fuck are you doing? You're actually kind of good at this. Why the fuck would you ever do this? Why would you ever do this? And I was like, okay, I kind of get it now, but I don't really know what I'm supposed to do as a content provider. So, you know, Kobe comes on my podcast for the majors and like, we don't give picks. I mean, you could kind of read between the lines and figure out who I like. Yeah. And I know you've tried to tow this line in golf landia too. Yeah. It's like the last thing I'm interested in anymore in DFS golf is giving picks. No, same. I saw so I'm like, what is a podcast about? <laughs> Right, like, and so I mean, and because why do you, I, why do you want picks from the people that are have podcasts? Well, I did a thread on this, and I was tilting one night. It was a, it was best ball. It was something else, and I was like, I'm going to get mad at something tonight. So I decided it it was probably Rainmaker. So after seven o'clock, just watch out because I'm sweating probably major lineups. I'm sweating it after ball. dark. After dark, yeah, it's just not. Sometimes it's not a pleasant scene, but but my point stands in that. And, I, and here's the problem with what I said, because I said there's really the marketplace has peaked, I think, in terms of content creators giving out picks as a content format that people want to absorb anymore. Because why would the best players in the world ever want to tip their hand? And that that sort of rubbed my friends like Big T, who I think is one of the best players in the world, Neil Orfield, who's great at Showdown, and others. And I, and I thought that that's not how I wanted to phrase it, because those guys can do both. And they run good content, but they're also willing to give away some of their strategies every week. And they, what I was saying was some of the people that I've never seen ever play before, especially never win, and then sort of purport themselves as DFS experts. I, and those I think are the guys that suddenly have a podcast. That's right. The market is kind of caught up in terms of where it was in 17 to now. And these guys are, are as good as any content creator out there. My thing is I'm so hyper-competitive. I want to, it's not even about the money so much every day or every week. It's about smashing people. I love 
even the guys I talk to and text, my good friends are get angry with me because I don't share anything that I'm doing. And it's almost as offensive. Um, and they know but who they that's are. That's what's fun. And I play, I've become friends with Saul. I've played golf with him a bunch of times now. I mean, that's what's fun. That's that's because yeah, because I will tweet what I did at 105 NFL Sunday 105 p.m. He's like, oh, there's Matt 105 p.m. giving us the nuts. Thank you, Matt. Piece By of way, shit. Saul, I DM'd you the link if you want to join us. <laughs> he won't. He won't. But he likes you a lot. Uh, yeah, I like him a lot too. Which and was he's, a, been, which, he's been great to me, and he's inv- he's invited me to play at his club a number of times, and I I hope to reciprocate the invitation. Um, yes. He's invited. I t- I told you I was serious about that. You guys are. I got. I randomly played Oak Hill, and the guy asked me if I wanted to be a, a junior global member. So I mean, it's the most random thing ever. I I, I randomly awesome. got onto that course. So I told I told you and Saul, you guys are welcome to you know come to the PGA Championship. And we'll play <laughs> I mean, his character his character outside of the person he actually is, he's one of the sweetest, nicest people I've I've known in my life. And that's what's so funny is I've had a couple people talk to me like, "Yo, this guy's a fucking asshole. Why do you he, why why?" And it's like, "No, you don't." Care he's stressed that. out to the max at night yeah. because he plays so hard. He's like he is to me one of the best players I know. I agree, uh, and at all sports. At NHL, At all sports, yeah. yes, yeah. and uh, he is—he's as aggressive as they come. And uh, I just know that when he's mad at night, he, he's like me. I'm like, no, I just—it's just. He just doesn't mean it, and he's yeah, and he's—he's no. one of the most genuine, good human beings I've ever met. That's but right. People, people take his shit way too seriously. Yes, Which I get way it, seriously. whatever you know. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So if you were doing a podcast now, if you were getting into this space, what what would you tell people to do? Because well, I've gotten asked this question a couple of times and I'm like, um, I'm like, find a very niche lane. Like I'm lucky that I'm oddly obsessed with architecture, but like you better find something weird like that. I think, I think that you can do a few things. Um, you can be, you can be dedicated to, uh, offering sort of a perspective that may be different in terms of analyzing information you could be you could offer tools and data that is high end um or you can be or and or you can be wildly entertaining and build right. a following based on just discussing things i mean there's there's podcasts i listen to just because i enjoy hearing them talk at night Me and too. Uh, 
And so I think that you could pick one or all of those lanes together. If you're going to go strictly, I'm an expert and here are my picks, that's just a dangerous element, I think, for you in this day and age. Because, you, I mean, I think Josh Perry put a good tweet. He's like, you know what? In 2023, if I'm going to be an expert, should I be playing all these bets? Yeah. Uh, probably. Um, and so I think that's where I've been trying to think of ways to go with content. I enjoy, I did a spaces before the lock on Thursday, and I kind of enjoyed doing that. Spaces is kind of good. My only problem with it is the same thing I said to you when we first hopped on, is that if you have the option to do video, do video because I'm way better at podcasting when I could see the other person's face and I know when to interrupt and when they want to talk. That's my only problem with spaces. Yeah. I, I never uh, know when to talk. I never know when to interrupt and I never know when to stop talking. I know enough about business and the business of sports to talk and feel comfortable that I'm saying things that can offer helpful information. Yeah. I feel good enough in different sports when I'm building lineups that I could say, listen, this is probably something I want to tell people, but I want to beat them. I got to beat 120,000 people tonight. So, you know, I'm just going to go on, you know, and plus if I, if I put it out there and I don't, that's the other thing too, like I'll be changing lineups to last second. And so if I say, well, I'm heavy, I'm going to go hundred percent lock ROM and I, and I freak out and I don't do it. Then yeah, I gotta hold myself accountable. I've run into this before too. I was doing this Sunday podcast, and I people actually started listening to it, and then some of the guys started getting popular, and I would pivot. People would ask me why. Yeah, I know exactly. Why don't you play your picks, bud? Why don't you play your picks? Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing about it too. And I don't even say that like I'm some big deal. I think most people that like think they're market movers move it way less than. Right. They think they do. I don't like think I'm some hotshot that people like no, just blindly follow my picks. I, I don't think that's at all what we're saying. I think what we're saying is I actually care about trying to win this thing. And I think you could go at it two ways. You can care supremely, mainly about content and being really good at content, but I don't think you're going to be very good at DFS or the all the best players that are really good at DFS, they're not going to give you their picks. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. That's exactly right. And I think you and I are. I'm too honest, and I don't want to ever contradict myself. I have in the past, but I will own my stuff. I will own if I feel I did something wrong, but I never want to intentionally mislead people. And there are people out there on Twitter who are complete shitheads who will and don't care. And those people drive me absolutely insane. I saw it with crypto. I saw it with stocks. I saw it with NFTs. They're shameless about it. They're shameless grifters and they they can just morph into anything they want to get your money and they don't care. So- and the, I can't do that. The picks economy is so like tired to me. And I got so lucky because this podcast gained. And again, I'm not saying that I'm like some massive market mover that's a big deal. I got really lucky that Rick Gaiman believed in me and gave me like a great deal and was like, listen, I think you're really good at what you do. I'm going to pay you enough money for this to be your full time job to have your podcast and to bring on the guests that you want to bring on and to write articles about golf for my website and to partner in this website and do all these things together. And I told him, look, I was like, all right, I'm just letting you know, my vision for this podcast has nothing to do with picks. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in conversations like this. And I've strayed away more and more over the last couple of months. I'm having way less conversations about golf picks. Some people are getting kind of angry about it. Some people really like it, but I've always tried to follow. I'm a big Bill Simmons guy and I've always liked the model of if you can build an audience and you can get people. And I think you've done this with Golflandia that if you can get people interested in your opinion, then you can talk about what you like to talk about. And that actually ends up being better content. I don't know if people are going to like this. It's probably one of the most fun podcasts I've had. I don't know if anyone's going to like it, but it's an honest conversation that for two people that are friends, right? And that's more interesting to me than if Tom Kim, if you should play Tom Kim. Yeah. And I think, I think people started either chirping me because I wasn't doing that enough 
or, you know, golf is, I said on Twitter the other night when I dove back into golf content again, I said, I think golf is the one sport that DFS players believe they can play and be a champion in as a, like, I don't believe I can be the running back for the Detroit lions, <laughs> but there are some people who can believe they can win a major. And so the nitpickiness of it sometimes gets a little old in terms of like, Oh, that's not, that's, you know, that's four inch Bermuda, not three and a half inch Bermuda. <laughs> like it's okay. We'll get through it. Uh, you know, golf, golf is about golf. DFS is about ownership. Yes. Game and theory. leverage. And yeah. that's, because anyone over 7,200 basically has the exact same chance of winning as anyone else, in my opinion. And the problem is the correlation in DFS is just not there, right? So I know that if Christian Watson goes 7, 1, 10, 2, that that means someone else <laughs> did not on the Green Bay Packers, likely. It's not a zero-sum game in golf. That's right. And so, you know, if John Rom wins, I've got to figure out not that he wins or top fives, because you can probably predict that. And so if he top five, someone else doesn't. But you got to figure out how he did it, right? Birdie streaks, eagles, because someone could be just as competitive and finish second and be $3,000 less. So um, I, I have one more. We got to get out of here. I got to do another. I, this is, can we do this more often? Absolutely. Did, 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 did I want to do sport landing together? Yes. Did I bring you back out of retirement? Like, did, did this get your podcast juices falling a little bit? Cause I think you're pretty good at this. Yeah. I think, I think that, I think that, you know, I'll take one bit of negative information from someone and just say, you know what? I, I offended some of my podcasts. What's good content. I'm never going to do it again. I just, I'm not very good with, I just feel badly that this, my podcast, I've never listened to my own podcast ever. I, I mean, either I can't do it ever. Never. I'm going to be, I'm going to be extremely strange right now. I've listened to the same podcast episode 700 times in a row. No, you have it. What, yes. what episode? There's two. There's the, this is so fucking weird. You're going to delete this part. We're not live, right? No, okay. we got it. All right. Bob Newhart episode on the Conan O'Brien podcast. And then the John Dean episode with Alec Baldwin. Okay. Because I listen to them at night. And if I get a new piece of content or a new interview, I want to listen to it. But I can word for word these, and I can just fall asleep to it. I kind of know what you mean. I'm a very strange I, person. No, I have those two. I like. I I think Bill Simmons' voice is like therapeutic. I I get I get, I get what you're saying. Last question: um, yeah. Who's going to win the Masters? Oh, okay. Uh, that's a fantastic question. I'm thinking. I'm thinking for the narrative, right? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking. This is sort of a very chalky pick, but I think Rory does it. I think. <sighs> I think an incredible amount of sandbags were lifted off his shoulders in terms of public perceived pressure. And he now knows that he has ascended and he doesn't have to do anything else in his life and still be revered. I think it happened to a lot of golfers. And I think he's going to go in as the hero against the villains. And I think he's going to have so much crowd lift that he's like, he's just not going to fuck up early and get himself in a hole. And I think he's going to do it. And it's going to be one of the greatest victories in master's history. I so hope you're right. I was going to go the other way with it where I'm so Kingsman. worried. Well, no. And you know, like all the people that are like, oh my God, I can't wait to see Cam Smith contend at the Masters. So Twitter yeah, will explain. Good luck. It's like, good luck. Dude, you had no idea who Cam Smith was three years ago. And now <laughs> you're making the argument that he's the best player in the world, even though Rory gains a stroke and a half per round more than yeah. over the past year and a half. And you're riding for this dude. Again, Cam Smith's great. I like Cam Smith. Cam Smith doesn't love golf, and he'll be the first to tell you about that. And that's okay. That's yeah. fine. That's yeah. fine. Um, but these people that are riding for Cam Smith, like he's your favorite player. Anyway, we've already covered that. Um I, the well. My thing with Rory is I think he's such a good fit at Oak Hill. So what I'm thinking, what I could see happening him is everybody picking him for the masters, him letting everyone down and then people being kind of down on him at Oak Hill where he is an honorary member and his wife is from Rochester and he has played at many times and the new redesign from this guy, Andrew Green, that's another thing I'll say, all these people picking the Jason Duffner types. They removed 800 trees. This is nothing like the golf course that you saw in 2013. It's a bomber's paradise. And so I think that he's going to, I could just see it. I could see everybody picking him at the masters and him letting everyone down and then people being kind of down on him and him destroying Oak Hill. So that, that is kind of where I stand right now. And I think masters will be like, 
I, I think JT is going to win at Augusta at some point. And I think John yeah. Rahm is a really good pick. I think John, John Rahm was my season preview pick. And yep. I think he's, I think John Rahm's like a really safe pick. I don't think it'll be a live guy. No, it won't. And you know what? A live guy will contend at a major 100%. It will happen. Yeah. Um, I'm, if you're asking me live wins under over 0.5, I'm taking the under, but somebody will get themselves in the mix. DJ is too inherently talented. LACC is a good course for him. Oak Hill is a good course for him. Liverpool is a good course for him. DJ will be in the mix at one of them, but no, I would, I'm not picking them. Cam Smith 17 to one at Circa. I don't think that's a great bet. <laughs> no, no. Um, I, I do think you need a lot of bounce from crowds yeah. and I think it's on their mind about what they did. And I don't care what you say. There's a, there's a, there is a percentage of shame that they feel for doing it. I don't, if they can do what they want, it's their careers. But in those moments in majors where you can't sacrifice a, a millionth of a percent of anything that week, that's enough detriment to me Sunday. So they're just not going to get it done to me. I'd argue that. By the way, look at the lift schedule. You tell me if any of those courses look like Augusta or Oak Hill Dio or LSU. They don't play so, enough. They don't, yeah. I mean, they're just dust. You can't go six months and just not ha and have a tour. I mean, they're forgotten. Right. And I'm not even interested in the, is this guy going to practice more? Is this guy going to, I don't fucking know. I don't, I don't know, know if he's going to practice more. Somebody gave me a bunch of money. I don't know if I'd still do podcasts. Maybe, maybe this one, but probably not like some other ones. I don't know if I, I don't know what I would do. And I, I'm right. not here to litigate that. Right. But, but, but if, if someone gave us right now, 300, say that again, we gave me $300 million and said, Hey, Matt and Andy, here's $300 million. I'm probably going to take well, it. Andia, yeah. Yeah. I'm probably going to take it. But I'm not going to say, listen, I figured out podcasting. Right. We believe in your vision for Sportlandia. Oh, yeah. We're so good. <laughs> no, right. you dopes. Sorry. All right, Matthew, uh, do you have anything to plug? Where can people follow you on Twitter? And when's your next podcast? Is it going to have to be the next time <laughs> you come on here? Or are you going to do something yourself? Yeah. I'll have to figure out, is it double digits people asking about where the podcast is? or well, like, You'll never know. Never know. So, no, I mean, I... I um, I think I enjoy doing content enough and I, and I, and I think that perhaps I can offer something in it uh, on a broader scale, maybe become more conversational and uh, less golf narrow and less pick focused maybe this week. I don't know, but I, I, I appreciate you with the kind words and that you've said both on DM and here that inspire me to do it again. So good to see you, buddy. Yeah, man. Much love. Love you, buddy. All right, that is it for the podcast. Special thanks to Matthew Wiley. Special thanks to rickrungood.com. You can find me next week on this podcast feed for the American Express. Good luck with your bets this week, and we'll see you next time. Cheers. If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream Where my world still runs crack and the dead send her back